Um, right. So when Tim asked me to speak quite a while ago now, um, I did know what I was going to speak about because God had been speaking to me about hope. And um, quite a few times God had reminded me that he is a God of hope. And originally I thought that he was going to give me a message for the church about how as a church we are going to be the hope for the people around us or how God can bring hope into your life. Um, but as I've been thinking and praying over the last few months really about this subject, God has just brought loads and loads of uh, verses to me about him being a God of hope and how we can have hope. So really this message is not going to give you this is going to be the hope for our church or this is going to be the hope for your life. It is going to be about what the Bible teaches us about hope and the hope we can have in God. Now, if we talk to people um, just around us or just in daily conversation and we use the word hope, often it is connected with a sense of doubt. I hope the weather is going to be good this afternoon. We're going to have a walking group this afternoon, so I hope the weather is going to be good. Now, it doesn't look very likely at the moment, so I don't really have much hope, but I still say I hope. Um, maybe some of you come home from work and you think, I hope my wife has cooked me my favourite meal. You don't know, but you hope, because it would be really nice. I hope I'm going to have a good rest when I go on holiday because I'm so tired. I hope I will have good health until I die. I hope I'm going to have the salary increase because we're struggling to pay our bills. I hope I'm going to win the lottery, even though I don't play it. <laughs> I hope. But really, it is always a sense of doubt in that word, hope. Now, that's not so in the Bible. When the Bible talks about hope, it is... As you can see on the screen, we expect it to happen, we're confident, and it carries no doubt. Uh, it's a famous missionary, William Carey, he did great things in India. He translated the Bible in six different native languages by himself. Um, he was a pastor and a missionary at a very young age. And one of the things that he's remembered for is a quote. He said, expect great things from God. Don't expect things from people. Don't expect things from yourself. Expect great things from God. And this morning, I want to talk um, and take you through different Bible verses, um, looking at how we can have this hope that is certain, um, so that when we use the word hope, we're not thinking like, oh, it might or might not happen, but we know with God, certain things will happen. Now... I don't know about you, but I struggle to maintain hope many times. Things go wrong in my life, or I look at the world, and it's hard to have hope. Things don't look very hopeful. Now be encouraged. In the Bible, there's a lot of verses of people struggling with hope. Just look at the Psalms, um, Lamentations, the book of Job, people who really struggle to have hope. Now the good thing is, they bring all those questions to God. There's some that I found. And first one is, oh, it was two there at the same time. First one, Psalm 31, verse 22. Um, now, all the verses I'm going to mention today, we're not going to turn to all of them because there will be loads. 
Um, but if you want to look to them, please do. Uh, but Psalm 31 verse 22 says, where are you, God? Now that's a big question. Psalm 22 and 42, God, why have you left me? You ever feel like that? God has left you? Life is a mess. You can't see your way out. And it seems like God is very distant and doesn't bother doing anything about it. Psalm 22, God, why do you not answer? Feel like that sometimes? You've been praying for something for sometimes years. And it doesn't seem to be an answer. Job. Those are bad things happen to Job. And he said, God, why have you made me your target? He feels like God is actually aiming things at him. Have I been a burden to you? And again, later on in chapter 9, he says, God, does it please you to oppress me? Do you have like a kind of wicked sense of pleasure in just punishing people and making life horrible for them? Really big questions. And... I just want to encourage you, if you have any of these big questions, bring them to God. He can handle them. It's fine. People in the Psalms and Job, they did. They brought them to God. You don't have to be worried and think, oh, as a Christian, I shouldn't be thinking those things. It is normal to have doubts. It's normal to not have hope when things don't go the way we thought or when things around us look horrible. However, when we look at the Bible and all these questions... God doesn't tend to give people a direct answer to these questions. He doesn't say, when people ask, where are you? He's like, oh, I'm here. Or, you know, why have you left me? And he says, oh, I left you because this and this and this reason. Whenever people come with these questions to God, God draws them back to himself and reminds them of his character, who he is, and he reminds them of his promises. So when you look at these Psalms and these other scriptures I've just mentioned, these writers come with all these questions. And then about halfway through or near the end, they talk about God, who he is, or what he has done in the past, and they remind themselves of his promises. So this morning, I want to look with you at God's promises and God's character, that we, where we can build our hope. And the first... Um, scriptures I want to read with you is from Lamentations 3 verse 21 to 26. Um, now just a little bit of background about Lamentations. Um, commentators think it's written by Jeremiah around a time after the fall of uh, Jerusalem and the temple. So the country uh, was desolate. It was uh, a very desperate situation. Uh, lots of death. didn't look very promising at all. And uh, in the first two chapters, Jeremiah just describes all these horrid scenes and is asking, like, why is all this happening? And then in verse 21, after having looked at all this horrible situation, he says, Yet this I call to mind. And therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good 
to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. So in the midst of this horrible situation, Jeremiah says, yet I have hope. And if you look at the verses, you can see why he has hope. He is saying, the Lord is loving and kind. His compassions never fail. God is faithful. His kindness and compassion is new every morning. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. Now hope is not natural. It is supernatural. It's something that God gives you. It's not a feeling, but it's a choice of the will to trust God regardless. It's a commitment to hold on to what the Bible teaches us about God. Is that easy? No, it is not. But that's the only way we have hope, to remind ourselves of what God we have. Now, I want to look at you, with you, at some of the promises that God has given. I have prepared some of them, there's loads of promises in the Bible, but just to keep you engaged, I thought maybe some of you can shout out some of the promises that you know God has given in his word. Um, and then when we've had a few, I will share the ones that God has shown me. But there are so many in the Bible that I'm sure we can come up with quite a few. So anyone, a promise in the Bible from God. I will never leave or forsake you. Yes. Yes. I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yes, forgiveness of sins with Jesus. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, Romans 8, yes. Anymore? For those who love him. Yes. God works all things for good for those who love him. Um, similar to the one that Simon mentioned, I have here on the screen, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name, Acts 10. There is hope for forgiveness. Now, it's interesting that none of you have mentioned anything about the future. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. 2 Peter 3 verse 13 says we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth the home of righteousness what else is going to happen Revelation 21 no more sorrow no more death no more crying no more pain he will wipe away every tear from their eyes there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain this life is not going to be forever. How horrible it may be, it will end. And we're going to go and meet Jesus. He will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Um, one similar to what Peter just mentioned, God will always be with us. Um, Matthew 28, he says, Surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. 
And then the other one I had on the screen was saying that Marie said, I have plans for you, plans of hope and to prosper. So plenty of God's promises to draw on when things get tough. How about God's character? What is God like? Anyone? If you can back it up with Bible verses, even better. God is good. God is mighty. God is holy. He is worthy. God is love. God is patient. He is kind. Slow to anger. What a God we have. First one, love. 1 John 4 verse 8. God is love. Somebody else mentioned already patient. 2 Peter 3 verse 9. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish. Psalm 25 verse 8. God is fair and just. He doesn't, you know, condone sin. He is fair and just and in the end there will be punishment. He is generous, Matthew 20. Um, he is slow to anger. Um, it also mentions in Exodus 34, he is compassionate, gracious, abounding in love, faithfulness, forgiving. And God is good. Psalm 25, verse 7 says, According to your love, remember me, for you are good, O Lord. Wow. What a God we have. And that is something that we can draw on. We know we have this God who is all these things to us. Now, I want to read with you Hebrews 6, verse verse 13 to 20. And it talks about hope being like an anchor. And in my Bible, the NIV, the headline above it says, The Certainty of God's Promise. So we've been talking about all these promises, but how do we know that they're certain that God's going to keep them? It says, when God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so, after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. Men swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. I'm not going to go into the whole Melchizedek order and the high priest. I just want to focus this morning about an anchor that we have. Now, an anchor, uh, if you think of a ship in a storm, the anchor is the only hope for the people on board of that ship. The sailor, we can see a storm coming in the night, 
what does he do? He puts his anchor down and he anchors it to the bottom of the sea, the rock. And then he can rest assured that his ship's not going to go everywhere in the storm. It's going to stay secure. And he can be sure that in the end it's going to be okay. And like the sailor, we have an anchor in our lives that can help us stand fast through the storms of life. And it's called hope. Now, it's not just any hope. It says in Hebrews 6, it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. So our hope is in Jesus. And it can be like a rock. Um, In Hebrews 6 that we just read, it talks about Abraham. Now, Abraham is one... Uh, of the characters in the Bible who really trusted God and moved because he had hope in his life. And I want to read with you Romans 4, verse 17 to 25. I'm going to read it from the message version just because it really spoke to me because the language is very accessible. Um, And it talks about Um, Abraham believing God on his word we call Abraham father not because he he got God's attention by living like a saint but because God made something out of Abraham when he was a nobody isn't that what we've always read in scripture God saying to Abraham I set you up as father of many peoples Abraham was first named father and then became a father because he dared to trust God to do what only God could do, raise the dead to life with a word, making something out of nothing. When everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway, deciding to live not on the basis of what he saw he couldn't do, but on what God said he would do. And so, He was made father of a multitude of peoples. God himself said to him, You are going to have a big family, Abraham. Abraham didn't focus on his own impotence and say, It's hopeless. This hundred-year-old boy could never father a child. Nor did he survey Sarah's decades of infertility and give up. He didn't tiptoe around God's promise, asking cautiously sceptical questions. He plunged into the promise and came up strong, ready for God, sure that God would make good on what he had said. That's why it is said, Abraham was declared fit before God by trusting God to set him right. But it's not just Abraham, it's also us. The same thing gets said about us when we embrace and believed the one who brought Jesus to life when the conditions were equally hopeless. The sacrifice Jesus made us fit for God, set us right with God. And um, yeah, it's the line that I've just put on the screen there. When everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway, deciding to live not on the basis of what he saw he couldn't do, but on what God said he would do. That is hope, and that is moving in real faith, in real hope. Abraham expected 
God to move. He didn't look at like himself, thinking like, hey, I'm, I'm 100, how can I have a child? Look at my wife. She's you know, an old lady. She's past the age of having children. God, don't be ridiculous and promise me a child. You should have done that 50 years ago. He believed. He believed that God could do it. Biblical hope looks away from man and it looks to the promise of God. And when it does, it becomes a full assurance, an expectation of God going to move and do something. And I believe God wants more people like Abraham. He wants us to believe that what he says he will do. He calls us to live a life of hope against all the hopelessness that surround us and trust him that he can do something. Not because we are good or we can do mighty things, because of what he can do and because of what he is. Now how do you think Abram could maintain that hope for so long? Commentators think he had to like, wait for 25 years at least for God to fulfill his promise. That's a long time to be praying for something that you believe God has said and nothing is happening. I'm sure the first few months he thought, oh, maybe, maybe. But then, of course, months became years and years became decades and nothing happened. How could he stay hopeful? Now, if we look at Abraham and his whole life and what the Bible says about Abraham, I think there's a few key things that really helped Abraham to remain full of hope. And one important thing is that the Bible calls him a friend of God. It says in 2 Chronicles 20 verse 7 that Abraham was called a friend of God. Now as a friend, you know that person very well, don't you? If I say Helen is my friend, and she has been for, I don't know, more than 10 years, coming up 15, I know her. I know what she's like. I know if Helen says I'm going to do it, she will do it. Because I know her. There's other things I know that I think if Helen says, I'll be there, she'll be there. She might be running in a bit late, but she'll be there. That's Helen, because I know her. Okay, I know Simon. If Simon says, I will do the dishes before I go to bed, he might not. (laughs) (laughs) We know our friends, and we know what they're like. Now, Abraham was a friend of God. He knew God. He knew all the things that we talked about earlier. He knew his character. He knew God was faithful. He knew God was good. He knew God was just. He knew God would keep his promises. Something else about Abraham. He was obedient. Totally obedient. He did what God told him. Even if it didn't make any sense. He moved country. When God told him to sacrifice his son, he was willing. God provided a different outcome, but he didn't know that. He was obedient. And this brings us to his last point. Abraham trusted God. That is how he remained full of hope. That's a good lesson for us. You know, if we look around us or look at our own lives and we feel hopeless, we can be full of hope. If we are a friend of God, if we are obedient and we trust him. Now that might all sound a bit like a big picture things like how um, how can I do these things trust God and be obedient be a friend of God I've just thought of some like I don't know maybe easier things to remember for us to do um, to keep hope 
And one of them is to don't trust in the wrong things. The Bible warns us to not put our hope in the wrong things. In the Bible it says don't trust horses, don't trust chariots, don't trust princes. Now, I don't think we'll be trusting in chariots necessarily. You might trust in your big fancy car to bring you somewhere and it might let you down. Um, you might trust not in princes but in the government, in Brexit, in Theresa May or not. You might trust in your friends, you might trust in your family, you might trust in your bank account because there's plenty of money so if something goes wrong you can buy something new. But in the end, all these things are not going to do it. In the end, we are going to be disappointed, frustrated if we trust in these things. We have to trust in God. He's the only one that in the end is going to remain faithful. Something else that will really remind us to keep hoping is to remind ourselves of the times that God fulfilled, fulfilled his promises in the past. Think back of the times when God did something for you. He answered a prayer. He provided. And if you look back, you can take these times and look at them when you are struggling. You say, God provided for me then. God